The Book Thingo podcast is a lively discussion about romance books, culture, and not nipples. Carla de Guzman joins us for episode 59 recorded in Sydney. Book Thingo would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which this episode is recorded, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We also acknowledge the contributions of Australia's Indigenous people to our shared literary heritage. Welcome to the Book Thingo Podcast, talking about books we love, especially romance, kill a fairy fast. Welcome back to the Book Thingo podcast. I'm Kat Mayo from bookthingo.com.au, an Aussie blog for romance readers. Our guest for this episode is Filipino romance author Carla de Guzman. She was in Sydney for a holiday and I met up with her at the beautiful State Library to talk about books and plot bunnies. And look, in the last episode, I mentioned that I would be talking to Carla about nipples. However, my audio producer, Rudy, hates fun, so that part of the chat has been cut. How dare she? But don't worry, I will make it my mission to mention nipples in future podcast episodes. You can find information on the titles and authors we talk about in this episode by going to bookthingo.com.au slash podcast and clicking on episode number 59. If the Dress Fits is the story of Martha, she's an accountant slash uh, the family's favorite putusan. Like everyone tells her to do, uh, arrange particular things, do particular things. And um, the thing about Martha is she is a size 24. So that's very uncommon in the Philippines where everyone's like super skinny. and But also uncommon in romance generally, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. And in the book, everyone she meets makes a comment about, oh, you're so mataba, you're so big, why aren't you losing weight? Why aren't you doing these things? And in the book, Martha has a best friend called Max. Max's job was basically to just love her. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, just wanted, I just wanted someone who would see Martha and see how amazing she was because that's what I kind of wanted and the main thing for me about the book is that Martha doesn't change weight it was something that I noticed in all of the plus size books I'd read that at some point the heroine loses weight it's a makeover book. yeah it's a makeover book and you know how many times have I read that makeover story and thought oh my god that's so does that really happen to some people because isn't that kind of sad like, they never liked you yeah. the way you were, and then you had to change. So I made it a but point. But also, it, there's a message that kind of says heroines can only be this yes. kind of body or this yes. kind of person. Exactly. Like, they'd have to be a particular kind of weight for someone to love them. And that was, I think that was why I decided to write If the Dress Fits. Because I was reading all of these books, and I thought, no, <laughs> that's, that's not what I wanted to read. I wanted to read about someone falling in love with a plus-size girl and then her weight is not an issue. Like, it should be that simple. So that's that's exactly how I wrote it, except it's in the Philippines. So this is sort of a friends to lovers trope, but also like fake boyfriend trope? Is yes. that right? <laughs> There's a fake boyfriend trope 
uh, in the book because Martha has to explain to her titas why she has a best friend hanging around, <laughs> like showing up at these family events. Like, no, 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 um, he's, you know, he's my boyfriend. And the titas are like, oh my God, how? Like, how? How, Iha? How? Explain. I'm approaching the age where, well, actually, I probably am already at that age, but I'm sort of still in, in semi-denial of being one of the titas, right? So, but do you think this, like, this coming generation of titas is going to be different? Or are we just, is it a thing that happens to you when you get older and you just give no fucks? You have no fucks left to give and you're like, I'm just going to tell people my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually becoming like, I'm 27 and people are like, oh, I'm turning into a tita already. Oh <laughs> like, I, I don't go out, I go to sleep early and like, I just, I'll just say whatever I want, but I'm living that tita life already. And... I think it's inevitable, like honestly, because you kind of know that titas come from a place of love. Yeah. You know, they just really want you to be a better person. Yeah. But they're a little more direct. But also, I how. think they, they take advantage of the um, sort of over the top respect system of the <laughs> Philippines, yeah. where even when they're being so rude to your face, you really can't you literally say, cannot anything, say anything, back. anything. Yeah. Right. Because it's like. I'm older, I have more wise, whatever. <laughs> I've lived think. my life. Yeah, <laughs> you don't get to tell me like that I'm wrong. Look, uh, I must admit that is a, a benefit to being <laughs> in the Tita generation that I'm actually very much looking forward to. So, Chasing Mindy. Mm -hmm. So, tell us a bit about that book. Chasing Mindy is my uh, newest release. It's about this girl with eight siblings who saves up all her money and goes to Paris. But before she goes to Paris, her mom's like, Oh, Iha, you should meet with my friend's son because, you know, you, you can't go alone. You have to have someone to take care of you, to tour you. And she hates this guy. This guy is so <laughs> arrogant. And there's an impression that because he studied abroad, he's like high class or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't get along. Okay, so how fun was this book to write? Like, have you been to Paris before? I have. Like, I've been maybe a couple of times. And, like, I love that the city... Everything you hear about Paris is absolutely true. Like, you know, it's beautiful, the men are handsome, and, like, all true. And, like, you try to speak French, and everyone's like, what? Yeah, like, <laughs> like, you what? know you're doing a bad job when they start speaking to you in English. Yeah. You're like, is my French like, that bad? No, shame. Like, I tried. <laughs> I had no one teach me, and I tried. Uh, I want, I like, I like playing with that idea of, um, because when I was a kid, you don't, Imagine going to Paris. Like it's it's one of those lists of things that will never happen to you, and it happened. So I'm like, okay, why not write a story of a girl who goes, like who willingly goes? I always read about an American girl or a British girl who wants to change her life, so she's going to go to live in Paris, and that's oh, that's never gonna happen. <laughs> so like maybe just a short visit. So this is what happened. So chasing Mindy has. Mindy, who has eight siblings. Yes. So is that going to be like Bridgerton style continuing you know series? I, I wanted to. I love the Bridgerton series. Like, Because you can't waste seven siblings. Exactly. Maybe in the future, I kind of, I kind of, I was very particular about what the sibling, each sibling was like, what they liked, what they disliked. And maybe sometime I'll try to expand them into a whole nother universe, but not yet <laughs> so you come from a large family as well yes. so did that play into this book a lot of course like 
Um, someone, someone mentioned to me that every character you have has to be a little bit of you, so it's so easier to write and more understandable. And I wanted to try to write a character with so many siblings because that's like a particular, um, it's a particular defining character trait where I would definitely not be the person who I was if I didn't have all of these people who I lived with <laughs> constantly. And it was fun kind of devising a whole a whole group of characters cool. which which I've never done before so yeah so Mindy has eight siblings and a cat I have <laughs> and a cat I have nine siblings and three dogs so it's kind of the same but also not exactly the same <laughs> so when you write do you have more affinity with the hero heroine or it depends on the book well I, I guess I kind of connect to my main characters more um, By that you mean the heroine? The heroine. I connect to them more because they're women and they're kind of versions of myself that I want to be. So that makes them more relatable. But on this, on the other side, the heroes, I like writing them because they're fa- kind of fascinating to play with. Like Max, definitely. I had so much fun writing him because he was... I had a list of things that Max should be and he was like ticking them off. Like he was following the plan perfectly. Good job, Max. So he never ran away. He never, from yeah. Unlike Javier who's like, what is going on with you, man? <laughs> Max is like here, exactly yeah. where I want him to be. So coming works, projects? I think my flare book is next in line to be edited. So, so can we talk about that? What it's about? We can. More or less. Yeah, it's set on Broadway in New York. It's about Olivia Tate. She's this Filipina actress who made, kind of made it big in Hollywood. And she joins this musical, which is so kind of happening a lot now on Broadway. And she gets into this musical with the director of the Larson Theater. David is kind of trying to resurrect the theater and make it work, make it his. So she's there for the name recognition. She is. For him. But for her, she wants to prove herself as more than just a pretty face Than just a pretty face in Hollywood. And she wants to try to make this musical work. And it's kind of David's job to make sure that she does well. So um, they end up almost like a tutoring situation where he has to guide her through the whole play, help her learn the songs, like try to internalize what's going on. And it's fun because Olivia is actually the twin sister of Max from Ah, If the Dress Fits. So Olivia is Filipino. She is Filipino. Um, David is not? David is half Filipino. Filipino. So again, I I like playing with characters, like how they get into these different situations in different countries. It was kind of the both of them talking about the Philippines that they missed. Olivia talks a lot about Filipino food. There are, uh, there are particular parts where she just stands there and thinks, okay, I wish I had, like, ube. Yeah. I wish I had, like, fried chicken with particular gravy from Jollibee. Yeah. Right now, at this moment, I need it. Yeah. So, yeah, because food is life. I noticed that uh, romance class books generally has a lot of food references <laughs> yeah. in it. It happened a lot in If the Dress Fits also. Like, I didn't mean to talk about food a lot for that book, but people are like, oh my gosh, this book talks a lot about food. <laughs> but like, I think it's also culturally really important for us. Yeah, you cannot separate the Filipino from food for very long. You know, one of my favorite um, 
food outlets in the Philippines is recovery food. Oh my god, <laughs> yes. Like, sometimes at 2 a.m. you just want tapsilon. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> and you, like they have this rice with tinapa in it. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and put suka all over it. Oh, delicious. This is set in musical, uh, like this is a musical theater sort of setting. Mm-hmm. Are you a big fan of musicals? I am. Like the other day, I watched The Book of Mormon. Oh, here? Here, yeah. Okay. I haven't even seen it. I had no idea. It was so, like, pastos. <laughs> it's like, that means rude. It's so rude and so offensive, but, like, in a funny way. Yeah, yeah. Like, irreverent. Yes, yes. And, it, and my, I had my... Um, my 17-year-old brother with me and he was laughing like, why are you laughing at these jokes? You're not supposed to know what this <laughs> That's means. Tita. That's the tita This you. is the tita in me talking like... <laughs> but it was very fun. Yeah. And of course, the actors were so good. So what are your favorite musicals? Uh, my favorite musical is Rent. Well, I, I haven't even seen it live. I saw the movie like when I was in high school. And I had no, like high energy. Yeah, and yeah. I had no idea that it was, it was inappropriate for my age. <laughs> so I loved Rent and then Wicked, obviously. And Lion, The Lion King, yeah, everyone in Manila right now is Lion King. Is that King. It being staged in Manila? It is right, right. now in Soler. And, and my Twitter feed was just, I saw The Lion King today. And I tweeted, oh, I've got maggots in my scrotum <laughs> because I saw the Book of Mormon. Yeah. <laughs> so different. <laughs> Uh, and then there's a local production where Fred was in called Mula Sabuan. It is so beautiful. It's The entire theater was crying. So that's a Filipino musical. That's a Filipino musical. So is, that, is the score original or is it based on original Filipino music? It's, uh, I think it was an original score. Um, I don't remember the do name. You know what, do you remember what it was about? Okay, Molas One is a sort so, of so, retelling. So the translation of the title is From the Moon. Yes, yeah. it's From the Moon. Um, it's a retelling of Serrano de Bergerac. But yeah. it's set in the Philippines during World War II. Oh, no, that's never... That's a tragic setting. It is. And <laughs> of course, I had no idea again when I watched it. And suddenly, at the end of Act Two, everyone's going to war. And we're all like, what is happening? Because I've never read Serrano before, and all I knew was the context where there's this guy with a long nose who writes the letters for this friend who's super guapo, and that's what what was happening. And then they're all singing in this, like the language was so beautiful because it's it's kind of deep Tagalog. So it isn't full, fully in it's Tagalog. It's a fully Tagalog musical, wow. and it was so good. And the music is just so beautiful that you can't help but start bawling. But so, but that thing. was a limited run sort of yeah, uh, production. It, it was a limited run. I think they've, they've done two runs of it. I know they're planning one more. This so, year? I think so. Another one of the writers from Romance Class, Tara Freyas, she's a huge fan of Filipino musicals. Like She literally wrote a romance book around I've it. I've never seen one. Oh, really? Yeah, I've never seen a Filipino musical. You should. Um, oh, actually, no, I, I lie. I did see one that was staged here, and I'm going to forget. It's it's based on Rizal, but it was okay. also based on a very... The writer is already dead. It wasn't really a musical, but they put music through it. Music oh. was beautiful, but I found the script a little bit, like, <laughs> old-fashioned. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it happens a lot. Like, my siblings were kind of 
who didn't really don't really know how to speak that deep Tagalog during the show they were like what is happening what why is he talking in metaphors I don't understand like, oh my god these millennials these children OMG, <laughs> OMG. your tita is not happy <laughs> But yeah, I actually just started watching local musicals because of romance class. Wow. Yeah, because all of the um, the actors that we get for the live readings are theater actors here in the Philippines. So they're like, okay, I'm in this show. If you're free, you should watch. So we like we organize like groups of people watching these shows. So I've seen I've seen Rock of Ages, which Gio Gio and Gab are in. And I've seen um, Newsies. Newsies, where <laughs> some guy was in. I don't even know. This is what I find so interesting about the relationship between the romance class actors and the romance writing community. Mm-hmm. It's because normally romance writers are so marginalized in the art scene mm-hmm. that they basically just form a community and it's quite insular because they're not really invited anywhere else. Oh. Whereas Um, and you know they're not in writers festivals mm, so yeah, the opportunity yeah. to mix with other people who create art is mm. really quite like it, it's it's not organically there but mm. but the way that the romance class community has evolved because you've um, brought in these actors <laughs> it's like I'm like this is the kind of interaction between different forms of art that we see in the broader artistic community mm-hmm. that we don't normally see in romance which I and I, I just love that about romance class because it's like writers are going to plays and musicals mm-hmm. and then theater actors are going are, are thinking about writing romance yeah. and they're reading romance mm-hmm. and they're it's not a condescension it's more of like oh my god look at what these people yeah. are doing it's they're amazing. genuinely interested in what what's going on and what we're doing and It's the same way for us. We're generally genuinely interested in what what these actors are doing with their craft. I personally have never known any other community aside from romance class, and it's kind of amazing. Like we we tell each other that oh gosh we're so clingy. Like <laughs> we keep thinking of things that we we should do together, and yeah, it's interesting how um, we're commissioning artists, we're getting photographers, we're getting um, these actors, and we're watching plays. So you read English um, market romance as well, right? Mm-hmm. You're yeah. not just reading romance class yeah. writing. Yeah. Do you think there's something about Filipino language and culture that makes it more open to sentimental fiction, like romance genre fiction? I think so. Maybe mostly because we haven't written a lot yet. There's there's so many things that we have yet to explore in terms of Filipino romance. We kind of have that sense also of it has to mean something. Like when we write, it has to mean something either for for the writer or for whoever reads it. So there's there's more of I don't know. It it's kind of like a almost a pressure to write a particular kind of book, which can be like it can go both ways actually. So like for example, when I write, I think of what have I read and what I don't like about it and how I translate it into. The Filipino romance it takes on a different meaning now because suddenly you have you have characters who are, who are like visiting Paris for fun you have characters who is a plus size character who doesn't change her weight and it's there are still a lot of romance tropes in the Philippines that are kind of like we don't 
we find kind of wrong in some sense. We don't question the assumptions. Yeah, that what I mean? yeah. yeah, something like that where you have to be beautiful to fall in love. You have to be a, a particular person, and we're still kind of unwriting that yeah. with our books. But that's a lot of cultural baggage as well, right? Because you is. see that really prominently, pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have like, <laughs> I always laugh when I try to buy soap in the Philippines. I'm like. <laughs> It's a thing, right? Can I just not get whitening? Like, you can't. The, one time impossible. I got a facial, and they're like, oh, miss, we're going to put uh, whitening moisture. I was like, can you do not, like, can I just got, get normal? And yeah. there's just like this silence. And then I just and realized, like, oh, this poor lady, she doesn't yeah. know. Like, she hasn't got that product. Yeah, it's not a thing. Like, everyone has to get whitening things. Like, we were in Bondi Beach the other day. We were the only people in that entire beach hiding under our towels. <laughs> like my mom. Like, oh my God, where are the trees? Where's the cover? I was walking around with a towel on my head like an actual tita, telling my brother, dude, did you wear sunblock? Honestly, it took me maybe 20 years to be able to go to the beach without feeling like I'm gonna come out looking super dark. Like, like I'm actually relatively fair-skinned yeah. compared to most Filipinos, right? My cousins were reminding me. It's funny how you forget these things, but they're like, you know, Ate, people judge you here on the color of your elbows and knees. I'm like, oh my god, I'd forgotten all about that. And I was like, I, I'd actually forgotten. And the soles of your feet? Yes, soles of your feet, the nape of your neck, you also have to like... It, it, that's really funny for me, the feet, because we have kind of an aversion to bare feet, right? And okay. you can kind of... You, you, you can kind of understand it because in the Philippines you know it's kind of dusty if you're wearing mm-hmm. chinelas um, which is like flip-flops everywhere yeah. you're gonna get like dirty feet so um, we went to uh, was it Boracay or Palawan anyway on the way back to the airport there were these backpackers and like Australians love to wear thongs mm-hmm. and these backpackers with their bare feet on the seats of the airport oh my gosh and, you know, and of course they probably didn't think anything of it I think they were half drunk so they probably didn't <laughs> care but I was like giving them dagger looks yeah like, yeah yeah because you can see everyone around them was just made room for their feet because <laughs> no one wanted to be even though and you know white people in the Philippines get They're treated like, like yeah. royalty yeah even then no one wanted to be near their feet and I was like it is so rude and when they get out of there someone's gonna have to get like um you know, disinfectant yeah, and wipe, and wipe those chairs. where their feet have been. Mm-hmm, I can imagine. But um, yeah, so all these little tiny things that you forget when you've been away for a long time. So um, what are you reading um, in romance class that you're really enjoying? Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I just, well, I just finished uh, the story where we had Bebo for the cover. Uh, the idea, Mr. Eyelashes. Mr. I, oh, eyelashes. I, I, I'm so bad. Like, I guess I'm objectifying his eyelashes because his name just doesn't match his eyelashes, <laughs> and I just cannot remember his name. That makes perfect sense, honestly. <laughs> like when, when he was doing the photo shoot, we were all like, "Hi." <laughs> we, could, we we were so like we couldn't approach because like, yeah. Can't so look at you, for, you're so, so good for, looking. For people who want to know. Who we're talking about? He is on the cover of "You Out of, you Nowhere. Out of Nowhere" by J. E. Tria. That was the first flare book, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure my first, one of my first comments was, "Oh my God, are his eyelashes fake?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chachik mentioned something like, "Did you put mascara on him? Because it's so unreal." <laughs> but also, I think I remember my mom when I was young. She used to be obsessed with long eyelashes. So I think it's also a Filipino thing to want these long eyelashes. It is, and it's kind of unfair because I see long eyelashes a lot on guys in the right. Philippines. It's like, what happened? 
your poor sister doesn't have eyelashes. Actually, I think one of my comments was like, his eyelashes are so pretty that I'm not sure it's a good look for a hero. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so books that you're reading that you're enjoying. Okay, um, right now I'm reading uh, Leonora Bell. Uh, what a difference a juke makes. I think it's her Mary Poppins kind of themed one. Having a lot of fun with that. And I was rereading Tessa Dare because A Duchess Deal is like the funniest book I've ever read. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why have I not read her before? Oh, this is your first book? That was my first She's Tessa been to Dare. the Philippines, right? She has. And one of the, I was in a writing workshop called Write Away PH. And one of the mentors there was telling me that Tessa is actually married to a Filipino and she told me about how Tessa met the guy's family who recommended for her to be boyfriend with their son. Oh my god, it's like a semi-arranged yeah. ma- um, marriage, I guess. And it, that, at the time I was writing Chasing Mindy and that's actually how the characters meet also. It's like the moms want us to be together, so... Anyway, so that's why I was kind of reading her for a it's while. It's funny because um, I don't know if it's because I knew that she had a Filipino husband, um, but when I interviewed her, really, my audio producer was like, you know, Kat, you had a really different accent when you were talking to <laughs> Tessa Dare. And I was like, I think internally for me, Tessa is practically Filipino. Yeah, so I talked yeah. to her like I would. Like, like she's my neighbor and <laughs> yeah. we see each other she's at the tita. mall. <laughs> yeah, she's my tita, you know. Oh my gosh. That is all we have time for in this episode. Huge thanks to our wonderful, but apparently anti-nipple-loving audio producer, Rudy Bremer. You can find the show notes for episode 59 at bookthingo.com.au slash podcast. If you enjoy the show, we'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes or grab a friend's smartphone and subscribe them to our podcast, but only do this to very cool friends. We got so much feedback on our Rom Book Love episode on Gateway Books. So thank you so much. In the next episode, Rudy and Gabby are back. In the meantime, please visit us at bookthingo.com.au and have a fabulous fortnight of reading.